Has there been a time in, in your life where um, you were just filled with complete pain? And I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not talking about Ruth just saying amen because she hurt her knee. It's glad to have Ruth back. She's been gone way too long. So she, uh, Ruth hurt her knee and she's, she's on the, I told her that she likes that uh, basketball here on Monday night with the guys, you know, and I told her, Ruth, you got to, you know, she goes, if you're going to come in, I'm going to take you down. And if you're going to come to the hole, I'm going to take you down. So no, Ruth slipped on some ice. I'm glad that she's doing bad and she's here, but has there been a time, and I'm talking Pam, like physical pain. There's a time where you just felt complete physical pain. I remember when I was, I was doing some floors in, in Lily's room and I'm, uh, I had a hammer and I'm trying to fit the flooring together and, and someone, I can't remember, it was Kathleen or Lily said something to me, distracted me. So as I was hitting and I wasn't paying attention and I just hit my thumb. I mean, I hit the thing so hard at that moment, that very moment when the hammer hit my thumb, I ceased to be a pastor. It just stopped right there. Just stopped. And some of you are thinking, I know some of you are thinking, Pastor, be honest with us. Did anything naughty come out of your mouth at that time? And I'm here to say that it didn't. There may have been some things inside here that weren't too kind, but it, it just filled. You know when that happens, you just, your whole body is just filled with pain at that one moment. Or maybe, maybe it's filled with joy. Maybe it's the time your child was born and you got married. There was a time you just had all this joy and you were just completely filled with this joy. And what we're talking about, the series we're in, we're, we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to look at today is what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I know? Is it just some mystical thing like only a few certain select super Christians can feel the presence? Like, and maybe, maybe you hear people say, you know, some people say, oh, yeah, I felt the Spirit just leading me. I felt his presence with me. And, and maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, Man, I, I, how come that doesn't happen to me? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the spirit, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's high octane coffee I just drank, or I don't, you know, I don't know what, what's, is there some certain feeling you have to have? Did you get like doodads, like goosebumps? And then you know, oh, wait, is that, the, is that the Holy Spirit? What, what, how do we know? I, let me reassure you here today. The filling and the presence of the Holy Spirit is not for a select few or a select few people who God separates as this, you know, the A-team Christians that, that only a select few can, can know the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you today that the presence and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us. And what I want to do today is I want to go through the word of God and show you how you can know when the spirit is leading you, how you know when the Holy Spirit, it, it doesn't have to be, I know some people think it's got to be some kooky, weird, goofy thing. And that's, it doesn't, it's not that. And I want to show you through scripture. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And what's the evidence? Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, you know, the characteristic of the Holy Spirit, the spirit being part of the Godhead, that he's not some third person we never talk about and some ugly stepsister or the other side of the 45 that no one ever talks about. Because some of you are here and you're like, I've been going to church for a long time. And I really never, you know, growing up, you know, the church, I was in, never really talked about the Holy Spirit. I know it was there. We kind of 
had a cerebral talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe an intellectual talk about the Holy Spirit. But I was never really taught about the Holy Spirit really being an active part of my life and moving me and speaking to me and moving through my life. I, I never really understood those things. And this is what I want to talk about today. How do we know? And then the next following is we're going to talk about, next we're going to talk about what is, what is the fruit of the Spirit look like in our lives. The week after, we're going to talk about what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God desires to give us to, to build up his body. So we're going to look at those things. But today, specifically, I want to look at the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And how does it look? How do I know? What, how do I sense it? How do I know that God is working in my life? And let me just give you just a couple things here to highlight. Because Jesus... On his last discourse, as he's speaking to his disciples, right before he's going to the cross, John gives a great, uh, writes down for us these words of Christ before he goes to the cross. And he spends a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. And listen, if Jesus spends a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit, should we not take notice? If if he talks about it, then we say, okay, this, this has to be important. And so let me understand what he's saying. Let me just give you a couple of things here that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, the helper, speaking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. So it's imperative, Jesus says, that I go away. Because if I go away, then I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. Later on, he says, And I will ask the Father, in verse 16 and 17, and I will give you another helper to be with you forever. Another meaning one of the same kind, being part of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Even the spirit of truth whom you cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You, you don't know him for he, he dwells with you and will be in you. Then, and then later in, in verse 26, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring into remembrance all the things that I've said to you. So hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'm going to promise the Holy Spirit that he would lead you and empower you. And so we understand that the Holy Spirit is a, is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit gives us power and boldness to, to, to be in our lives so that we can live for God. And the question that I want to dive into today is what is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life? How do I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me? How can I know and sense the Holy Spirit in my life? How can I know when the Holy Spirit is prodding me to do something? So I want to look at a couple things that, that initially the Holy Spirit does in my life that I know, okay, that is definitely the Spirit speaking to me. Now, I, I, I think back to when I, was, I first became a follower of Jesus Christ. And here's how I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. is because when the gospel message was presented of the truth of Jesus Christ, guess what happened in my heart? I felt something. I felt conviction. When I heard the message of truth, there was something. It wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart that was saying, Barden, your life does not line up with the truth that's being spoken here. Now, I first, that doesn't mean the minute I heard, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to come to Jesus now and repent of my sins. I heard it. And guess what? At the beginning, I was kind of resistant, right? Right? How many of you, you remember that? Or maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, you're hearing the truth and you're like, I don't know about this. You know, I don't know about the truth. Is Jesus the only way? Is he the only way to God? I don't know. And I began to hear this and I stiff-darmed it at first. And I would just go to church because my parents would make me go to church. 
I would stiff arm and I really wouldn't believe it. I say, yeah, I, I, can, I can believe in Jesus, but I don't know about all, you know, that he's the only way. And, and then if I do believe this stuff, then that means I got to change my life. No, I really want to change my life. I don't know if I want to do that. So I heard this truth and I felt the conviction power of the Holy Spirit prodding my heart. Now, I, I justified a lot of things in my life. I'm a good person. But that, 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 all that stuff didn't work because I still felt guilt. I still felt condemned. I still felt like my heart's not right. Until that day I surrendered to the call of God in my heart. That's when I felt God's peace come over me. That this relationship changed from one that was an enemy of God to one that was now a friend of God. That's the Holy Spirit working. So what are these initial things that the Holy Spirit does in our life? And so the Holy Spirit, this first step, because it's most important, the Holy Spirit convicts us. That's that pride. That's that speaking to my heart that my life is not lining up with the truth of God's word. And here's what John says in, in chapter 16. Here's recorded the words of Christ for us. And he says, and when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will do what? What's the word there? He's going to convict the world concerning what? Sin. Their waywardness from God. Sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because, um, because uh, the rulers of this world is judged. And so what I want you to see is the primary thing of the Holy Spirit, of understanding that the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to me is that he will convict me of my sin. And here's, here's what this primary sin is is it just like okay yeah pastor i messed up okay i got a laundry list of things that i did wrong so is it necessarily convicting me of the wrong things that i've done wrong and i feel guilty and i said okay now i got to make up for this stuff so uh, i'll say some prayers i'll say a couple our fathers uh take a couple aspirin, call me in the morning type deal. And then, and then I'm all set past. Maybe, maybe I'll just wait a minute. If I, I feel guilty, so I'll attend church on Sunday, make it right. But then fall right back into the same stuff on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Is, is that what, is that the primary personal Holy Spirit? Listen, it's not, it's not, that's not it. It's not you trying to fix up yourself. The primary role of the Holy Spirit of conviction is this. The primary role is this, is to convict the world of unbelief. That's where it starts. Because how many know that you can fix up yourself or try to fix up yourself? And it may not be a God thing. It may be a you thing trying to fix up yourself to make you look better. The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of unbelief to lead you somewhere. Not to yourself. Not to make you a better person so I look better in front of everybody else. It's to make you right before the Lord. That's the core issue is our unbelief and our waywardness from God. And we have a broken relationship with the Holy Father. So the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of God, which leads us to the second role of the Holy Spirit is to point to our need for God. What good is it if I feel conviction and I just make myself look like a better person? Right? It's just spraying Febreze on a stinky carcass, right? So is God just a Febreze God where he just sprays Febreze over me, but I'm, st- I'm still stinky inside. I'm still sinful. 
God says, no, no, no. The reason I'm saying the Holy Spirit, convict the world of sin, convict the world of unbelief to do something, not just to leave you in this broken state of guilt, but to lead you to the healing relationship and to be redeemed with God the Father to make that relationship right that was broken because of sin. Everybody say amen. Okay, because that's the gospel message. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to point to our need for God. Listen, no amount of finger pointing, preaching, being, you know, the, the preacher banging the pulpit. You're all sinners. Right? I could do that every week, right? Go into hell in a handbag. I could get real evangelistic, right? You've heard those guys. You've seen those guys on the street. Listen, no amount of yelling, finger pointing, screaming, sweating, a lot of pastors think that sweating is inspiration. It's really just perspiration. That's all it is, okay? Um, no amount of that stuff can convict a person of their need for God unless the Spirit is working. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. He's the one that does the ultimate work of leading us to the Father. So when we speak of God's truth, it's the Spirit, Jesus is saying, that convicts it's the Holy Spirit that lets us see our guilt and our need for Christ and is to point to where we can find forgiveness. So this is more than just thinking I'm a bad person or knowing the difference between right and wrong because many people do know the difference between right and wrong. It's a recognition. The Holy Spirit shines the spotlight on our heart and it's a recognition that I'm lost and I can't save myself. That my good works aren't enough. It's more than just trying to be a good person. That is an empty pit that can never be filled. Because we can never be good enough. Because the minute we start thinking we're going to, we compare ourselves with other people. And that person, okay, they're real bad. And I feel good about myself. And then you compare yourself to the next person who does a lot of good work. And they say, I feel bad about myself. And it's just a merry-go-round that you never get off of. See, it's a recognition that I'm lost and I can't save myself. And that's when you know God is working in your life. See, the evidence is a conviction and a turning to Christ and asking for forgiveness through repentance. The result is regeneration, which means that I'm changed, I'm new, I have a new heart. Through faith in Christ, I am now born again. That is the work of the Spirit. Then, at that point, God breathes his Spirit within us and we are a new person. Paul says that our bodies now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually resides in us. And so Paul has a lot to say about this, especially when he writes to the church in Ephesus about how do you walk in the spirit? He talks about this in his letter to the Galatians also. He says, listen, do not get drunk with wine for that leads to debauchery, which just means excessive and indulgent. He says, but be filled with what? Be filled with the spirit. So what is Paul saying there? Our hearts can be turned to this, that, and the other thing to try to make us feel good or to make ourselves, quote unquote, feel better. Because those things only lead to indulgences and sin and bondage. But he said, be filled with the Spirit. This is a continual filling of God's presence and his Holy Spirit in our lives. So what Paul is saying is keep being filled. Don't lose your sensitivity to the Spirit. And if we are not careful, we can grieve the Spirit within us. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. When we come to Christ, God fills us with his Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit's a deposit within our hearts. 
that, that our spirit agrees with the spirit that's in us now, that we indeed are children of God. Something happened. Like, I'm like, wow. I'm now a child of God. I've now been adopted. And the spirit is the thing that resides in me that says, I am now a child of God. Not because of my works, not because I did all these things, but because I came to Christ and I recognized my waywardness and that I was lost and through repentance, God now fills me with his spirit and now it resides in me. So now, okay, if, it's, if, if I'm a follower of Christ, I get that, I've repented, God regenerates me, I'm now born again, his spirit is within me. Jesus said to Nicodemus, look, and flesh cannot, cannot give birth to, to flesh, it, only the spirit can do the spirit the thing within your heart to make you a new creation in me. Only the spirit can do that. You can't do that. So now if the spirit is in our life, it's not from me. It's not from my good work. It's a work of God within my heart and my life that shows me that I'm indeed a child of God. How do I know now? Okay, that, that's all nice, Pastor. That's all textbook stuff. And I've read that. But let me say something. I think this is where most Christians stop. They understand, okay, I'm saved. I get it. Now what? And I believe there's this whole other world of God wanting to work and breathe in our lives of the work of the Holy Spirit each and every day of our lives. That's why Paul said, keep in step with the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Because I believe we're constantly fighting our flesh every day. How many can agree with me? We constantly fight our flesh every day, right? And the church said, oh my, right? That's what happens. So Paul said, you've got to be in tune with the Spirit. So this is an active relationship, not just some mental or some knowledge that I have. Okay. Yeah. There's a Holy spirit. Okay. I got saved. Now you feel, and that's it. But there's this active role that the spirit wants to play in our lives. And here's what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says, be careful because now that the Holy spirit's in your life, he says, and do not grieve the Holy spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And what does he say? Here's, here's, here's how we grieve the Holy Spirit within us. We can actually grieve. He's a person. We can grieve him within our lives. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgave you. See, by our very actions, we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit within us and actually bring him sorrow by our actions. And what happens is, here's why Paul is so adamant about this. What happens when I allow anger and unforgiveness to take over my heart? Guess what happens to my sensitivity of the Holy Spirit? My ears become plugged. My heart gets crusted over from hearing the Holy Spirit because I can grieve the Holy Spirit to the point to where in my own sinfulness and my malice and my unforgiveness and my gossip and my whatever it may be, I begin to dull the Holy Spirit speaking to me in my life. Paul says, be careful here. Don't grieve this person, the person of the Holy Spirit in your life by your very actions by your very malice, by your very unforgiveness. Because what begins to happen is we can hide, and I've seen this. I've seen this in people, and it's happened in my own life. We can hide behind so many things to justify us not listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I've heard things like this, and these are crazy things. But people will say, well, I'm doing a lot of ministry for the Lord. My marriage may be a train wreck, but I'm doing a lot of ministry for the Lord. Isn't that, is that, that's good, right? And we hide behind this. 
Well, my relationships aren't in correct order, but I'm coming to church every week and I'm in, I'm in a lot of Bible studies. Do you see where that's messed up? It, it, if the Holy Spirit was really speaking to our hearts, would you not think that we need to get our relationships in order? Somebody say amen, right? You say, Pastor, you're getting really close here. You better back off. Step back, Pastor, right? But this is where it becomes real. Because what we can do is we can hide behind our Bible studies, our knowledge. And I'll sit there and talk to people and I say, but the word says here, you know what this says. And I say, I know what it says. But their hearts are hardened to obeying the Lord because their hearts are hardened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I can remember when I was a teenager, I was getting a physical to go to college. And part of that physical was a hearing test. And I don't know if any of you had a hearing test like this. Most times you, you put the headphones on, remember that? And you hear the beep and you got to raise your hand. They do it one ear, they do a beep, beep. And they still do that. I don't know, maybe they still, do they still do that? The hearing test? Anybody with me? Okay, nobody. Okay, good. Okay, they still do that. Anyways, I had my family doctor, Dr. Mosher, and Dr. Mosher was going to give me a hearing test. I'm like, okay, Dr. Mosher. And he was this Russian guy, had a heavy Russian accent. And you just, when I went in Dr. Mosher's office, I was just like, you don't move. One time I was looking at his big mural he had. I went to, don't touch it. I'm like, I'm like this. I was like terrified. He was a nice man, but you didn't mess with him. Good doctor. So he gives me this hearing test. I'm ready. And I'm getting ready to go into college. And he goes, go over there and stand on the side of the room. So I go over the side of the room like this. He goes, okay, take your, take your left hand. I said, okay. He goes, put it over your left ear. So I go like this. And he's on the other side of the room. He goes, are you ready? And I said, yeah. And he goes, 34. I go, what? He goes, say that. Well, now, first, I'm trying to get through his heavy Russian accent. He's going, 34. And I'm like, 34. So then he moves a little further away, right? So he's like way on the other side of the room. He goes, 23. I'm like, okay, 23. Then he moves away, and then I couldn't hear him anymore because he was so far away. And then he goes, 19. I'm like, I didn't hear what you said. He goes, okay, that's good. Now do the same thing right here in the... And they use the same numbers. I'm like, at least switch up the numbers. Because I, I is a college student. I'm not that smart, but I was. And um, he goes, good, you passed. And I'm like, that's your hearing test. Okay, um, that's good. But I know, it, it, I know it's a dumb illustration, but think about it. The further he got away, the less I could hear him. And see, this is what happens. This is what happens in our life. It's not that God leaves us. It's not that God doesn't want to work in our hearts. It's what do we do? We tend to feel like, well, God's not there. God has left me. It's not that God hasn't left you. It's that have we've left God. And see, what the Holy Spirit is trying to do is speak to your heart in areas that you may be blinded to, but we're so blinded to those things because we hide behind the skirt of ministry or my righteousness. And God can't break through that stuff. And until we humble ourselves and listen, we're going to remain in that same state. And so, here, so, so here, here's what happened. Here's what Paul's saying is don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit in your life by your very actions, by your malice and your unforgiveness. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit because I want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit each and every day in your life. See, by our very actions, we can bring sadness and grief to the Holy Spirit. So how do I know when the Holy Spirit is in my life? What, what is the difference between guilt or condemnation and conviction? 
Because many people say, I don't want to come to church because I, I, there's a lot of things I can feel guilty about. And I just don't need more guilt in my life. And I, I, I want us to get a proper biblical understanding of conviction and condemnation and when and the Holy Spirit is really speaking to our hearts and lives. Consider these two things. Conviction is this. Let's get a proper biblical understanding of conviction. Conviction is actually to, to convince of sin and to prove guilty by the conscience. So there's this conviction of my heart. It, it shows that I'm guilty and, and, and it, it's seen in my conscience and I'm like, okay, there I am. And I feel it and I know it's there. Condemnation means to judge or pronounce to be unfit for use or service. So here's how Jesus explains this. We all know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world. We all know that one. We tend not to read the verses after that. Let me read the verses after John 3, 16, because John 3, 16 will make a lot more sense when you read verses 17 through 21. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, for God did not send his son into the world to do what? What's the word? Condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned. That means to be judged, pronounced unfit for use or service. Because they have not done what? They've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So this is the verdict. God is the judge. Here is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but people love what? darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. What people want their deeds exposed and their evil deeds exposed. That's why they just not, oh, I just love being convicted of my guilt and my sin. Oh, I just love it. Shine your light on it, God. I just want it to be exposed because our hearts are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. Obviously, duh, right? But whoever lives by the truth does what? Comes into the light. Everybody say that comes into the light. That's where I want you to see something here. So that it may be plainly seen plainly that what has been done has been done in the sight of God. So what does this mean? Well, how many of us have felt guilty at one time or not? We always feel guilty, right? Guilt's a horrible feeling. Guilt from the past, guilt from others, guilt from not doing something we should have. It, it, I, I remember I, <laughs> I ran into somebody at tops a while back and um you know and this happens not all the time it happens quite often they were smoking they're outside and they were and they they saw me and they're like oh great pastor bargain so they're like what do i do here so i come up to them, hey man how you doing right put the cigarette behind the back and i'm like man just smoke your cigarette don't worry about it no i feel bad i said listen listen i I want you to live a lot longer. That's all I care about, right? Don't worry. There was this guilt right away because they, they saw me and they were thought, oh man, now the pastor's going to judge me, whatever. And I'm like, no, man, just it's, listen, I, I want you to hang around a lot longer, man. It's just, you know, don't, don't worry. He's like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, they put it down and, and we, be, we had a really nice conversation after that, right? Have you ever done that where you just felt like, oh, great, Right, and I feel guilty. We, we've all felt that time of guilt. Guilt's a horrible feeling, and, and maybe it's guilt from other people, the past, or whatever. People, how, how many of you have ever just had something held over your head for a long time, or something that was dug up from your past? And you get in an argument, and you're saying, hey, remember when you, and you're like, really? You're bringing that up again? Right? And it's worse when you, 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 have, you have to do something out of guilt. Have you ever been guilted to do something? I do that with my kids all the time. It's great. I get the garbage taken out. I get the dishes washed, right? Um, see, guilt and condemnation can do a number on us. Guilt and condemnation can paralyze us. 
It points to our past. It wants us to remain there. It wants us to say what a failure we are, that we've messed up and there's no hope. Here's the difference. What the spirit does is this. The spirit leads us to Christ to find healing over our guilt and condemnation. See, the only, the only fault that's at stake here is the person who refuses to walk in the light. What God says is, yes, you feel guilty about your past. Yes, there's this guilt and condemnation because of your sin. Okay, that's good because you realize your sin, you're recognizing your sin has separated you from a holy God. That's good. But the thing I want you to realize is God doesn't leave us there. What God does is he now leads us into the light. He exposes it to do a reason, to just humiliate us. And to keep kicking dirt in our face and saying, you're no good. You're no good. Baby, you're no good. Right? All you Linda Ronstan fans out there, right? Is that the purpose? See, the hope is that we don't have to remain there. And that Christ leads us out. That's why Paul reiterates this to his letter to the Romans when he says in Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now what? No condemnation for those who are in what? Christ Jesus. See, in Christ, we no longer stand in judgment. We are now friends with God. And so what Paul does is here, later on, just a couple verses later in Romans 8, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit set their mind on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is what? Is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Isn't that interesting? He says, I don't expose your guilt just to make you feel more guilty and worse about your life. I do it so you can find peace and forgiveness for your life. The mind governed by the flesh is actually hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot see God. However, you are not in the realm of the flesh. Here's the encouraging thing he's saying to the church. He says, you are not in the realm of the flesh. But you are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, it's alive and it's active. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So what does a spirit filled life look like? Are you ready? Here it is. And we're going to get deeper into this in the next couple of weeks, but let me just lay a foundation here. A life that is led by the spirit. Here's a practical thing. It's a life that wants to please and obey God. That, listen. Listen. Paul says, he squeezes second, or 1 Corinthians 13 in between 12 and 14. We're going to dig into that in the next couple of weeks, right? And we, we hear 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter, right? We hear it at all the weddings. Fine, you can read it at a wedding, but it's not a wedding verse. It's squeezed in between two chapters of the gifts of the spirit because the Corinthian church were just a wreck. They were using it the wrong way. They thought they were better than other people and how they operate in the gifts. He says, what's the love chapter all about? What good is it if you do all these things, speak with tongues of men and angels, do all these things, give away everything that I have, but have not loved? What does he say? You are nothing. So what Paul is saying here, a life that is spirit led a life that is filled with the spirit wants to please and obey God. If you want to please and obey God, it will be seen here. It is. Are you ready? It'll be seen in how you treat other people. 
You can sit there and tell me all day long how, many, how much scripture you've memorized and how much doctrine you know. Whip de do da day. That's what I said. That's what Paul said. Whip de do. Everybody say whip. No, I'm just teasing. Whip. Right? What good is it if I hate my brother? Or I've had animosity about my neighbor. I point my finger at the world and say, they're bad, they're bad, they're no good, blah, 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 blah. right? And I have no love. The spirit dwelling inside me will give me this overwhelming love to love people who are unlovable. It will change my heart. I want you to think, for those of you that can think back to your pre-Christian days, and think, think about the change that the Holy Spirit made in your life. See, I grew up in church. They were good people. It didn't preach the gospel at, at the church I grew up in. They were good people, but they never preached the gospel. They didn't show me that I needed a relationship with Christ. They didn't preach about sin and repentance and, and making a change. They didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, when I heard the gospel message and I came to Christ, I, I can look back, and I'm not saying that, that I was perfect. By no means, I, the Spirit works on us like, like water works on a rock, right? And, and, and wears around the edges on a, on a seashore. But what I can do is I can look back because I think back... The things that I could care less about before I became a Christian, all of a sudden I started to care about. Is that me? That ain't Barton Drace, but it's the spirit inside of me. All of a sudden, the things that I used to do, I don't want to do those things any longer. How many can attest to that? That's the direct work of the spirit in your life. Don't point it to yourself. That's where you will go wrong. Look, boy, I'm a, it, it, the Holy Spirit is not a self-help guru. It's, it's not there to make you a better person, give you self-help so it can make your life better. No, it's all about pleasing and obeying God. That's, that's when you know the spirit is working in your life. When you can look back at your life and say, man, I would, I would have raked that person over the coals before my life in Christ. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oop, I catch myself, right? And how many know we slip? Come on. Jesus, help us. Especially when I have to call someone on the phone to try to get help with something. Hallelujah. Serenity now. Serenity now, right? It's, I, I can just feel myself getting mad. Like, no, don't, don't switch me to somebody else. No, no, no. Well, this department doesn't handle that because we'll switch it to this person. And I'm ready just to go ballistic, right? And it's just this, all of a sudden you just feel the spirit pardon, Right? Self-control, self-control. Your testimony is at stake here. Stop it, Holy Spirit. No, I just want to be mean. Can I just be mean once on the phone? Can I just tell people the way I really feel just once? No, you can't because you're not your own. Oh, man, I forgot about that. I'm now Jesus. I'm sealed with this Holy Spirit. How many can relate to that? Good, I'm not the only one. This is a good therapy session for me, by the way. Thank you very much, because I need a lot of therapy this week. See, here's the second thing, and I'm going to wrap this thing up. Here's the second thing. It's a life that's sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's how you know. Listen, and, and I don't mean to sound this to, for you to feel like you've got to beat yourself up all the time, but listen to me. If there is not daily repentance going on in our life, something is wrong. And, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, I've just got to beat my, that it's about beating myself. No, no. It's about being sensible Holy Spirit saying, God, did I act wrong in there? I just need daily cleansing from you. 
because I want to be sensitive because I know I've got blind spots that, that I don't even see, that you do see, that I want to keep my heart open to. So allow my heart to be repent. Allow me to be open to, to forgiving others and, and giving forgiveness. See, that's being sensitive. Barden, I don't want this for you. Are you listening to me? Are you offering forgiveness? Are you letting go of bitterness? Don't be angry. See, in Christ, we can know the difference between condemning thoughts and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And here's how we know. Are you ready? Here's how we know. Are my thoughts of guilt and condemnation actually leading me closer or further away from Christ? Because what repentance will do is lead you closer to Christ. Guilt will lead you further away. Guilt will just let you remain there. I'm no good and I can never do this Christian thing. Guilt will lead me further, further away from Christ and his mercy and his grace. Guilt will always focus on me and the way it made me look. Guilt will always lead us further and further into darkness and isolation. Where I'm not confessing my sins to other people or close friends or my wife or my, like, man, I, I missed it here. Please forgive me. Guilt will just say, I'm going to hold on to this and, and it's going to lead me further and further into darkness and isolation. See, conviction will allow God to bring my fault into light so that healing may occur. And the purpose is for discipline. See, discipline is correction that's intended for improvement. Punishment is just payment for wrongs that are committed. So, the problem is when we tend to look at God, we just look at God as he punishes, punishes us, right? Have you ever felt that way? Like, ah, oh, why is this happening in my life? Is God just punished me? Is God just mad at me? See, the reason for the conviction of the Holy Spirit is not to make us feel bad or unworthy. It's to help us grow. Guilt doesn't produce righteousness or ultimate change in our life. It would be the same as punishing someone and not letting them know why they're wrong. God disciplines us because he sees us as his children and he loves us. He's not mean. He doesn't punish us for the sake of punishment, just to leave us there feeling that we're in an unworthy state. God disciplines us out of love for our ultimate growth in him as any good father would do. So let me read this last scripture for you and then we're going to pray. Hebrews 12, 5, and 6. Look it up, look it up there. I love this. This is good. And, and, and he quotes Proverbs 3. What does it say? Have you completely forgotten his word? Listen, for the encouragement that it addresses you as fathers addressed his son, it says, my sons, do not make light of the Lord's what? And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he... So, and chastises everyone that he accepts as his sons and his daughters. Isn't that good? So sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm being chastened. I'm being rebuked. I don't, I don't like that. Listen, I love my kids. I'm going to rebuke them at times because I love them and I want their safety and I want them to feel secure. Let me, I, I don't, listen, I had friends growing up and my dad would discipline me and he had borders in my life and we had rules and so on and so forth. I would have friends in our neighborhood that they could do anything they want because their parents weren't there. They weren't really active in their life. They would actually come over to my house all the time. And I'm saying, why are you coming over here when you could be doing anything you want at your house? You know why? I remember one of my friends said, because I feel secure over here. You see, God wants you to feel secure in his love. 
And so the role of the Holy Spirit is going to convict you at times for this reason, so that you can find God's light and healing for your heart so that you don't walk in that darkness. Confession is a good thing because it takes that thing that was once in darkness and it exposes it to the light so that the enemy no longer has any power over you. He does it because he's a loving father. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will always be in accordance to God's word. So here's the takeaway. Takeaway is this. Are you placing yourself in a position to hear from the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit's conviction comes onto your life and the discipline of the Lord is using that in your life, are you receiving that? Let me, let me give you this last quote from Jerry Bridges from his book, The Pursuit of Holiness. Great book, by the way, and I would definitely recommend it. Listen to what he says here. I love this. We are not to come to the word. We are, we are to come to the word in the spirit of what? Humility and contrition. A humble of heart. A repentant heart. Because we recognize that we are sinful. That we are often blind to our own sinfulness. And that we need the enlightening power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. I love that quote. And I try to, I try to live by that. I said, Lord, I want to I come to this. And when I come to your word... Your Holy Spirit is the thing that illuminates that word to my heart. I just don't want to come to your word and just check off the box and say, oh, I read your word and I went through it and that's it. Lord, help me to come to your word in this humility and contrite heart that your Holy Spirit can enlighten those things in my heart that I don't see. Isn't that wonderful when God does that? When you're reading his word and all of a sudden there's illumination in your heart like, Barden, that's, that's you. Here's an area of your life that you're blind to. And I want to speak that to you so you can bring the light so I can bring healing to you in that area of life so you can be in line with my will. See, it, the reason why you might not be sensing the Holy Spirit in your heart and your life, maybe you're sitting here and you feel that way, is for the simple reason you're asking the wrong questions. See, many times when we're frustrated and we come to the Lord in prayer, we're always praying for other people. God, if you could just change that person... If you could just change my neighbor, they really irritate me. If you could really change my coworker, they just drive me nuts. And they just could, could you? And God's saying, I first need to change your heart. Then start praying for your neighbor so that you can start praying for them in the right spirit. So when we, when we pray, we tend to want God to change other people. We need to turn that around. So here's what we need to pray. God, I come before you and I allow myself to be open. And if there's any offense in me or anyone that I've offended, please reveal it to me. Amen. Start with allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your heart, in your life. And then God will be using you in the correct way. You'll have the correct heart. Isn't it amazing when God changes our heart, how we look at things totally differently? And that's the power of the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to our lives. That's how God desires us to walk in him and how he uses the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to change us each and every day. Let me just say this. It's exciting to be a follower of God. It just is. It's just exciting to be a follower of God if we just listen to his Holy Spirit. You know, as a pastor, I see a lot of things. And I think the biggest miracles that I always see is if I'm talking to somebody and we pray and we begin to talk and I, and, I, and I see the Holy Spirit begin to enlighten their heart and change them. And there have been so many times that they would just say, Pastor, I'm wrong. 
I've looked at this wrong. I've looked at my wife wrong or vice versa. The wife said, I looked at my husband wrong and God's changing my heart here. And there's the miracle work of the Holy Spirit speaking in life that changes them and redirects them and causes them to be humble before the Lord. And then reckon, that doesn't mean they don't have a long rope before them, but all of a sudden you see God changing their heart. And I'm just standing back going, go God, just go. Lord, keep working in their heart. And I'm looking, I'm going, that's it, that's it. Yes, 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 right? Because I can sit there many times and just open up scripture and say, well, this is what the word of God's. And they're like, good, well, who cares? But when the Holy Spirit begins to work in their hearts and lives and illuminates what God's word saying to them, change begins to happen. And it's a miracle of God. And I love seeing reconciliation and restoration that the, that the Holy Spirit does in people's lives. Amen. Let's, can we be a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit? Can we be a church that's filled? Let's, let's, let's be that church that God has called us to be. Spirit walkers, spirit fillers, spirit believers, walk in the spirit of love. Let's be the church that God has called us to be. So would you stand with me? And we're gonna just going to close in this song today. And would you make this your prayer today? As we invite the Holy Spirit just to come into our life. Here's the thing. As we close in song today, here's going to be our prayer as the team makes their way up to the, up the platform. Here's the thing. Just make this between you and God as you, as you just sing this to the Lord. Just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to my heart and life that you need to reveal. Let this be a sacred moment between you and God and what, and what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. So Lord, I just pray for this moment that we have before we close the service that it would be a sacred moment that your Holy Spirit would envelop us here today, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would fill us anew and afresh today to be what you've called us to be, Lord. So we thank you. Thank you that you don't give up on us. Thank you for revealing things in our heart that need to be revealed because you love us and care for us and you discipline us as a good father would. Thank you. You do that through your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Jesus.